Chapter Three of the Giant's Robe by F. Anstey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three. Goodbye. On the same afternoon in which we have seen Mark and Vincent walk home together for the last time, Mrs. Langton and her eldest daughter Mabel were sitting in the pretty drawing room of their house in Kensington Park Gardens. Mrs. Langton was the wife of a successful Q.C. at the Chancery Bar and one of those elegantly languid women with a manner charming enough to conceal a slight shallowness of mind and character she was pretty still and an invalid at all times when indisposition was not positively inconvenient it was one of her at-home days but fewer people than usual had made their appearance and these had filtered away early leaving traces of their presence behind them in the confidential grouping of seats and the teacups left high and dry in various parts of the room mrs langton was leaning luxuriously back in a low soft chair lazily watching the fire-beams glisten through the stained-glass screen and mabel was on a couch near the window trying to read a magazine by the fading light hadn't you better ring for the lamps mabel suggested her mother you can't possibly see to read by this light and it's so trying for the eyes i suppose no one else will call now but it's very strange that vincent should not have come to say good-bye vincent doesn't care about at-homes said mabel still not to say good-bye after knowing us so long too and i'm sure we've tried to show him every kindness your father was always having solicitors to meet him at dinner and it was never any use and he sails to-morrow i think he might have found time to come so do i agreed mabel it's not like vincent though he was always shy and odd in some things he hasn't been to see us nearly so much lately but i can't believe he will really go away without a word mrs langton yawned delicately it would not surprise me i must say she said when a young man sets himself but whatever she was going to say was broken off by the entrance of her youngest daughter dolly with the german governess followed by the man bearing rose-shaded lamps dolly was a vivacious child of about nine with golden locks which had a pretty ripple in them and deep long-lashed eyes that promised to be dangerous one day we took frisk out without the leash mummy she cried and when we got into westbourne grove he ran away wasn't it too bad of him never mind darling he'll come back quite safe he always does ah but it's his running away that i mind said dolly and you know what a dreadful state he always will come back in he must be cured of doing it somehow talk to him very seriously about it dolly said mabel i've tried that and he only cringes and goes and does it again directly he's washed i know what i'll do mabel when he comes back this time he shall have a jolly good whacking My dear child cried mrs langton what a dreadful expression colin says it said dolly though she was quite aware that colin was hardly a purist in his expressions colin says a good many things that are not pretty in a little girl's mouth so he does said dolly cheerfully i wonder if he knows i'll go and tell him of it he's come home and she ran off just as the doorbell rang mabel i really think that must be someone else coming to call after all 
do you know i feel so tired and it's so late that i think i will leave you and fräulein to talk to them papa and i are going out to dinner to-night and i must rest a little before i begin to dress i'll run away while i can mrs langton fluttered gracefully out of the room as the butler crossed the hall to open the door evidently to a visitor and presently mabel heard mr holroyd announced so you have come after all said mabel holding out her hand with a pretty smile of welcome mamma and i thought you meant to go away without a word you might have known me better than that said holroyd but when your last afternoon in england was nearly over and no sign of you there was some excuse for thinking so but you have come at last so we won't scold you will you have some tea it isn't very warm i'm afraid but you are so very late you know ring and you shall have some fit to drink vincent accepted tea chiefly because he wanted to be waited upon once more by her with the playful gracious manner just tinged with affectionate mockery which he knew so well and then he talked to her and fräulein moser with a heavy sense of the unsatisfactory nature of this triangular conversation for a parting interview the governess felt this too she had had a shrewd suspicion for some time of the state of holroyd's feelings towards mabel and felt a sentimental pity for him condemned as he was to disguise them under ordinary afternoon conversation he is going away she thought but he shall have his chance the poor young man you will not think it very rude mr holroyd she said rising it will not disturb you if i practise there is a piece which i am to play at a school concert to-morrow and do not yet know it vincent won't mind ottilia dear said mabel will you vincent so the governess went to the further room where the piano stood and was soon performing a conveniently noisy german march vincent sat still for some moments watching mabel he wished to keep in his memory the impression of her face as he saw it then lighted up by the soft glow of the heavily shaded lamp at her elbow a spirited and yet tender face with dark grey eyes a sensitive beautiful mouth and brown hair with threads of gold in it which gleamed in the lamplight as she turned her graceful head he knew it would fade only too soon as often happens with the face we best love and have reason chiefly to remember others will rise unbidden with the vividness of a photograph but the one face eludes us more and more till no effort of the mind will call it up with any distinctness mabel was the first to speak are you very fond of music vincent she said a little maliciously would you rather be allowed to listen in peace or talk you may talk you know i came late on purpose to see as much of you as possible said poor vincent this is the last time i shall be able to talk to you for so long i know said mabel simply i'm very sorry vincent but there was only a frank friendliness in her eyes as she spoke nothing more and vincent knew it so am i he said do you know mabel i have no photograph of you will you give me one to take away with me of course if i have one she said as she went to a table for an album oh vincent i'm so sorry i'm afraid there's not one left but i can give you one of my mother and father and dolly and i think colin too i should like all those very much said vincent who could not accept this offer as a perfect substitute 
but can't you find one of yourself not even an old one i think i can give you one after all said mabel wait a minute and as she came back after a minute's absence she said here's one i have promised to gilda featherstone but gilda can wait and you can't i'll give you an envelope to put them all in and then we will talk tell me first how long you are going to be away no longer than i can help said vincent but it depends on so many things but you will write to us won't you will you answer if i do of course said mabel don't you remember when i was a little girl and used to write to you at school and at trinity too i was always a better correspondent than you were vincent just then dolly came holding a cage of lovebirds champion said you were here she began vincent wait till i put jakin and boaz down now you can kiss me i knew you wouldn't go away without saying good-bye to me you haven't seen my birds have you papa gave them to me they're such chilly birds i brought them in here to get warm they're very much alike said vincent looking into the cage upon which each bird instantly tried to hide its head in the sand underneath the other they're exactly the same said dolly so i never know which is jakin and which is boaz but they don't know their own names and if they did they wouldn't answer to them so it doesn't matter so very much after all does it as it never occurred to dolly that anybody could have the bad taste to prefer anyone else's conversation to her own she took entire possession of vincent throwing herself into the couch nearest to him and pouring out her views on lovebirds generally to his absent ear they don't know me yet she concluded but then i've only had them six months do you know harold caffin says they're little humbugs and kiss one another only when people look at them i have caught them fighting dreadfully myself i don't think lovebirds ought to fight do you oh and harold says that when one dies i ought to time the other and see how long it takes him to pine away but harold is always saying horrid things like that dolly dear cried the governess from the inner room will you run and ask colin if he has taken away the metronome to the schoolroom dolly danced out to hunt for that prosaic instrument in a desultory way and then forget it in some dispute with colin who generally welcomed any distraction while preparing his schoolwork a result which fräulein moser probably took into account particularly as she had the metronome by her side at the time poor mr vincent she thought he has not come to talk with dolly of lovebirds you will be sure to write and tell us all about yourself said mabel what do you mean to do out there vincent turn coffee planter perhaps he said gloomily oh vincent she said reproachfully you used to be so ambitious don't you remember how we settled once that you were going to be famous you can't be very famous by coffee planting can you if i do that it is only because i see nothing else to do but i am ambitious still mabel i shall not be content with that if a certain venture of mine is successful enough to give me hopes anything better but it is a very big if at present what is the venture said mabel tell me vincent you used to tell me everything once vincent had very few traces of his topical extraction in his nature and his caution and reserve would have made him disposed to wait at least until his book was safe in the haven printer's ink before confessing that he was an author 
but mabel's appeal scattered all his prudence he had written with mabel as his public with the chief hope in his mind that some day she would see his work and say that it was well done he felt a strong impulse to confide in her now and have the comfort of her sympathy and encouragement to carry away with him if he had been able to tell her then of his book and his plans respecting it mabel might have looked upon him with a new interest and much that followed in her life might have been prevented but he hesitated for a moment and while he hesitated a second interruption took place the opportunity was gone and like most opportunities in conversation once missed was gone for ever the irrepressible dolly was the innocent instrument she came in with a big portfolio of black and white papers which she put down on a chair i can't find the metronome anywhere fräulein she said i've been talking to colin he wants you to come and say good-bye before you go vincent colin says he's got nearly swished to-day only his master begged him off because he'd done nothing at all really wasn't it nice of him ask him to tell you about it oh and vincent i want your head for my album may i cut it out i want it myself dolly please said vincent i don't think i can do without it just yet i don't mean your real head said dolly i believe you know that it's only the outline i want it isn't a very dreadful operation vincent said mabel dolly has been victimizing all her friends lately but she doesn't hurt them very well dolly i consent said vincent only be gentle with me sit down here on this chair against the wall said dolly imperiously mabel please take the shade off the lamp and put it over here she armed herself with a pencil and a large sheet of white paper as she spoke now vincent put yourself so that your shadow comes just here and keep perfectly still don't move or talk or anything or your profile will be spoilt i feel very nervous dolly said vincent sitting down obediently what a coward you must be why one of the boys at collins school said he rather liked it will you hold his head steady mabel please no you hold the paper up while i trace vincent sat still while mabel leaned over the back of his chair one hand lightly touching his shoulder while her soft hair swept across his cheek now and then long after as long as he lived in fact he remembered those moments with a thrill now i have done vincent cried dolly triumphantly after some laborious tracing on the paper you haven't got much of a profile but it will be exactly like you when i've cut it out there she said as she held up a life-size head cut out in curling black paper don't you think it's like you yourself i don't know said vincent inspecting it rather dubiously but i must say i hope it isn't i'll give you a copy to take away with you said dolly generously as she cut out another black head with her deft little hands there that's for you vincent you won't give it away will you shall i promise to wear it always next to my heart dolly dolly considered this question i think you'd better not she said at last it will keep you warm certainly but i'm afraid the black comes off you must have it mounted on cardboard and framed you know at this point mrs langton came rustling down and vincent rose to meet her with a desperate hope that he would be asked to spend the whole of his last evening with them 
a hope that was doomed to disappointment my dear vincent she said holding out both her hands so you've come after all really i was quite afraid you'd forgotten us why didn't somebody tell me vincent was here mabel i would have hurried over my dressing to come down it's so very provoking vincent but i have to say good-bye in a hurry my husband and i are going out to dinner and he wouldn't come home to change so he will dress at his chambers and i have to go up and fetch him and it's so late and they dine so ridiculously early where we're going and he's sure to keep me waiting such a time i mustn't lose another minute will you see me to the carriage vincent thanks has marshall put the foot-warmer in and is the drugget down well we'll go please and i wish you every success in over there you know and you must be very careful of yourself and bring home a nice wife lincoln's in tell him please good-bye vincent good-bye and she smiled affectionately and waved her long-gloved hand behind the window as the carriage rolled off and all the time he knew that it would not distress her if she never saw him again he went slowly back to the warm drawing-room with its delicate perfume of violets he had no excuse for lingering there any longer he must say his last words to mabel and go but before he could make up his mind to this another visitor was announced who must have come up almost as mrs langton had driven off mr caffin said champion imposingly who had a graceful way of handing dishes and a dignified deference in his bow which in his own opinion excused certain attacks of solemn speechlessness and eccentricity of gait that occasionally overcame him a tall graceful young man came in with an air of calm and ease that was in the slightest degree exaggerated he had short light hair well-shaped eyes which were keen and rather cold and a firm thin-lipped mouth his voice which he had under perfect control was clear and pleasant do you mean this for an afternoon call harold asked mabel who did not seem altogether pleased at his arrival yes we're not at home now are we mabel put in audacious dolly i was kept rather late at rehearsal and i had to dine afterwards explained caffin but i shouldn't have come in if i had not had a commission to perform when i have done it you can send me away harold caffin was a relation of mrs langton's his father was high up in the consular service abroad and he himself had lately gone on the stage finding it more attractive than the foreign office for which he had been originally intended he had no reason as yet to regret his apostasy for he had obtained almost at once an engagement in a leading west end theatre while his social prospects had not been materially affected by the change partly because the world has become more liberal of late in these matters and partly because he had contrived to gain a tolerably secure position in it already by the help of a pleasant manner and the musical and dramatic accomplishments which had led him to adopt the stage as his profession like holroyd he had known mabel from a child and as she grew up had felt her attraction too much for his peace of mind his one misgiving in going on the stage had been lest it should lessen his chance of finding favour with her his fear proved groundless mabel had not altered to him in the least but his successes as an amateur had not followed him to the public stage he had not as yet been entrusted with any but minor roles and was already disenchanted enough with his profession to be willing to give it up on very moderate provocation 
"'Why, Holroyd, I didn't see you over there. How are you?' he said cordially, though his secret feelings were anything but cordial, for he had long seen reason to consider Vincent as a possible rival. "'Vincent has come to say good-bye,' explained Dolly. "'He's going to India tomorrow.' "'Good-bye,' said Caffin, his face clearing. "'That's rather sudden, isn't it, Holroyd? "'Well, I'm very glad I am able to say good-bye, too.' "'As there is no doubt, Caffin was. "'You never told me you were off so soon.' "'Holroyd had known Caffin for several years. "'They had frequently met in that house, "'and, though there was little in common between them, "'their relations had always been friendly. "'It was rather sudden,' Holroyd said, "'and we haven't met lately. "'And you're off tomorrow, eh? "'And sorry. "'We might have managed a parting dinner before you went. "'It must be kept till you come back.' "'What was the commission, Harold?' asked Mabel. "'Oh, ah, I met my uncle today, and he told me to find out "'if you would be able to run down to Chigbourne one Saturday till Monday soon. "'I suppose you won't. He's a dear old boy, "'but he's rather a dull old pump to stay two whole days with.' "'You forget he's Dolly's godfather,' said Mabel. "'And he's my uncle,' said Caffin. "'But he's not a bit the livelier for that, you know.' "'You're asked too, Juggins.' Juggins was a name he had for Dolly, whom he found pleasure in teasing, and who was not deeply attached to him. "'Would you like to go, Dolly, if Mother says yes?' asked Mabel. "'Is Harold going?' said Dolly. "'Harold does not happen to be asked, my Juggins,' said that gentleman blandly. "'Then we'll go, Mabel, and I shall take Frisk, because Uncle Antony hasn't seen him for a long time.' Holroyd saw no use in staying longer. He went into the schoolroom to see Colin, who was as sorry to say good-bye as the pile of school-books in front of him allowed, and then he returned to take leave of the others. The governess read in his face that her well-meant services had been of no avail, and sighed compassionately as she shook hands. Dolly nestled against him and cried a little, and the cool Harold felt so strongly that he could afford to be generous now, that he was genial and almost affectionate in his good wishes. His face clouded, however, when Mabel said, "'Don't ring, Ottilia. I will go to the door with Vincent. It's the last time.' "'I wonder if she cares about the fellow,' he thought uneasily. "'You won't forget to write to us as soon as you can, Vincent,' said Mabel, as they stood in the hall together. "'We shall be thinking of you so often, and wondering what you are doing and how you are.' "'The hall of a London house is perhaps hardly the place for love passages. "'There is something fatally ludicrous about a declaration amongst the hats and umbrellas. "'In spite of a consciousness of this, however, Vincent felt a passionate impulse even then, "'at that eleventh hour, to tell Mabel something of what was in his heart. "'But he kept silence.' A sure instinct warned him that he had delayed too long to have any chance of success then. It was the fact that Mabel had no suspicion of the real nature of his feelings, and he was right in concluding, as he did, that to avow it then would come upon her as a shock for which she was unprepared. Fräulein Moser's inclination to a sentimental view of life, and Caffin's tendency to see a rival in everyone, had quickened their insight respectively, but Mabel herself, though girls are seldom the last to discover such symptoms, had never thought of Vincent as a possible lover, 
for which his own undemonstrative manner and procrastination were chiefly to blame he had shrunk from betraying his feelings before she can never care for me he had thought i have done nothing to deserve her i am nobody and this had urged him on to do something which might qualify him in his own eyes until which he had steadily kept his own counsel and seen her as seldom as possible then he had written his book and though he was not such a fool as to imagine that any woman's heart could be approached through print alone he could not help feeling on revising his work that he had done that which if successful would remove something of his own unworthiness and might give him a new recommendation to a girl of mabel's literary sympathy but then his father's summons to ceylon had come he was compelled to obey and now he had to tear himself away with his secret still untold and trust to time and absence who are remarkably overrated as advocates by the way to plead for him he felt the full bitterness of this as he held both her hands and looked down on her fair face with the sweet eyes that shone with a sister's but only a sister's affection she would have loved me in time he thought but the time may never come now he did not trust himself to say much he might have asked and obtained a kiss as an almost brother who was going far away but to him that would have been the hollowest mockery suppressed emotion made him abrupt and almost cold he let her hands drop suddenly and with nothing more than a broken god bless you mabel good-bye dear good-bye he left the house hurriedly and the moment after he was alone on the hill with his heartache so he's gone remarked caffyn as she re-entered the drawing-room after lingering a few moments in the empty hall what a dear dull old plodder it is isn't it he'll do so much better at planting coffee than he ever did at law at least it's to be hoped so you are fond of calling other people dull harold said mabel with a displeased contraction of her eyebrows vincent is not in the least dull you only speak of him like that because you don't understand him i didn't say it disparagingly said caffyn i rather admire dullness it's so restful but as you say mabel i dare say i don't understand him he really doesn't give a fellow a fair chance as far as i know him i do like him uncommonly but at the same time i must confess he has always given me the impression of being don't you know just a trifle heavy but very likely i'm wrong very likely indeed said mabel closing the subject but caffyn had not spoken undesignedly and had risked offending her for the moment for the sake of producing the effect he wanted and he was not altogether unsuccessful was harold right she thought later vincent is very quiet but i always thought there was power of some sort behind and yet would it not have shown itself before now but if poor vincent is only dull it will make no difference to me i shall like him just as much but for all that the suggestion very effectually prevented all danger of vincent's becoming idealized by distance into something more interesting than a brother which was indeed the reason why caffyn made it vincent himself meanwhile unaware as all of us would pray to be kept unaware of the portrait of himself by a friend which was being exhibited to the girl he loved 
was walking down Ladbrook Hill to spend the remainder of his last evening in England in loneliness at his rooms, for he had no heart for anything else. It was dark by that time. Above him was a clear steel-blue sky. In front, across the hollow, rose Camden Hill, a dim, dark mass twinkling with lights. By the square at his side, a German band was playing the garden music from Faust. With no more regard for expression and tunefulness than a German band is ever capable of. But distance softened the harshness and imperfection of their rendering, and Siebel's air seemed to Vincent the expression of his own passionate, unrequited devotion. I would do anything for her, he said half aloud, and yet I dared not tell her then. But if I ever come back to her again, before it is too late, she shall know all she is and always will be to me i will wait and hope for that End of chapter three